Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We are still um, working through a topical series we call Change, and that is that God wants to change us. That's what the gospel is all about. It's uh, rescuing us and saving us, but also to change us at the same time. Um, Tell me this, have you heard of a saying that it takes a village to raise a child? Anybody heard that before? Got a few heads that are nodding with me, good. Well, the thought here is that it takes an entire community of people interacting in a positive and healthy way with a child so they can grow up and grow in a positive uh, role and experience a safe environment of life. It takes a village, as it were, to raise a child. Well, let me rephrase that saying and put it to you this way. It takes a church to raise a Christian. It takes a church to raise a Christian. God has ordained that we are to grow and change as we experience community interacting with us on a whole range of levels from a gospel perspective and then that inputs into our lives and helps us to grow and helps us to change. It takes a church to grow a Christian. Go with your Bibles and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. You might be thinking, what is a Bible? A Bible is God's written word for us. It's his speaking to us through the pages of Scripture. We believe the Bible is inspired by God's Holy Spirit uh, through the authors who wrote these thoughts down, but we believe it's God's words for us, and it's, this is where God speaks to us. So go to the book of Ephesians. It's uh, one of Paul's letters that he wrote uh, in the New Testament to the church in Ephesus. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. I didn't give you the exact reference, did I? Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 6, and then verses 11 through 16. Verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then drop down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow 
so that it builds itself up in love. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that we can come to this precious, living, eternal word. Father, we think that the Bible speaks into our hearts today. We ask and pray now that Holy Spirit, as we come to this passage here in Ephesians, as we think about growing in community, that it takes a church to raise a Christian, I pray. Open up our, our eyes to see that now and to embrace that and to grow in and through that. Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, just to help us out where we've been over the last few weeks, thinking about change from a few different perspectives, I want to go through some statements that we've made that are really helpful for us to sort of lock in as we think about change. First one's this, uh, God's will for our lives is to be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That is God's will, that is God's directive for our life. Second one, no change will take place, no change will take place unless God first makes a foundational change in our lives. God needs to make that first initial change and all other change springs from that foundation of that change. All change, third one, all change, every bit of change we go through, all change is the result of God's loving grace working in and through our lives. All change is a result of God's grace working through our lives. Fourth one, change starts in my heart, not outside of me. We're all very good at thinking everybody else has got to change, but change starts with me. Change starts with you. It starts in us first. The primary place of change is a complete, this is the fifth one, the primary place of change is a complete transformation of, of my mind through the truth of God's word. That's where we change. We get this new way of thinking, this new mindset. Be transformed, we saw in Romans, by the renewing of your mind. And the sixth one here is this. Change takes place as I become responsible for my own actions, for my responses, and use the Holy Spirit's power to implement that change. Really important to get that. We won't change unless we put that into action ourselves. God prompts us, God gives us the strength, God gives us the renewed mind, but then we need to be responsible for that action and put that change into place. So there's six things that are sort of foundational planks that we build this change on. Uh, Today we want to pick up now another place where God changes us, and that is in community. God has purposed that we are changed into the image of Jesus Christ because that is God's uh, will for our lives, to be changed into the image of Jesus as we live in community with others. Here's where we're going. Uh, God changes us in community. He brings the best and the worst out of us as we live and love with others through the gospel. He brings the best and the worst out of us as we live and love with others through the gospel. Okay, let's to, to kick this off. Community, we have to understand, is God's idea. It is God's idea because God is a relational God. God is three persons in one. God dwells in community himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Paul actually refers to that even here in this passage. We don't see the word Trinity in the Bible, as in God in three persons, that God is one, but the Bible certainly refers to a God in three persons. Have a look with me here. In verse 4, Paul refers to the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, Paul again says, One Lord, Jesus Christ, Paul's referring to there. And in verse 6, 
there's one God, the Father of all, that Paul's referring to. So he's actually bringing into this this uh, triune God or this Trinitarian God or this God in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's really important for us to see. Really important for us to see. God hasn't plucked out this idea of community from thin air. God didn't sort of just have this lightning bulb moment one day and think, oh, I think I'll just make these people in community. No, that God himself is in community. So that's the foundational reason we see community taking place because all eternity, for all eternity, God has dwelt in the perfection of love, harmony and unity within that trinity. Perfection. We can't imagine that, but they just lived and dwelt in perfection. For all eternity, God has dwelt in the perfect order of peace and joy within this trinity. God in relationship, God in community. And as we understand the creation of humanity ourselves, we know that we too are created in the image of God, in the likeness of who God is, three persons in one. So therefore we also, we also are created to dwell and live in community with others, amongst others. Surely if we think about our existence, that confirms that today as we live with each other. We long to be in relationship with other people. We long to be, uh, we have a desire to be loved and to love others. It's just something that's within us as people. We have this built-in desire to belong somewhere, to be part of something, to find our place somewhere. This is this sense of community, wanting to be part of a group. And certainly if there's something that we haven't maybe heard too much about during COVID, it's been the loneliness epidemic, sort of outside of community. Uh, Due to lockdowns and social distancing, loneliness has gone off the scales, gone off the scales big time. This has been crushing people with their mental health because of loneliness and isolation. I saw a survey the other day that told me that loneliness is at its highest in the age bracket between 25 and 40 years of old. I think that's amazing. That's sort of the prime of your life, sort of 25 to 40. But this is actually the largest section of the community that's feeling loneliness at this point in time due to COVID lockdowns. Loneliness or lack of community is such a problem, such a challenge in this world, that people are actually making a business out of loneliness. You might be asking, how do you make a business out of loneliness? There's a website called rentafriend.com. Now put your phones down. Don't go there yet. Have a look later on. Rentafriend.com. You can go there and you can rent a friend. You don't have to go to a wedding alone. You don't have to go to a birthday party alone. You don't have to go to a work breakup alone. You actually can go to rentafriend.com and you can rent a friend and you can bring them along with you. I reckon there's a positive use for that. If everybody rents a friend next Sunday, you can bring them all here. You don't have to go to church or you can rent a friend. Why do I say all that? God has created us to live in community, to be in relationship with others. Community, though, isn't what God created to be at the moment. If we think about the image that we created, it's in perfection and harmony and joy and unity, but we don't have that in our current communities or our current relationships. We actually have community breakdown. We have fractured and broken relationships within community at every level of life. 
no matter where you look, you actually see this breakdown coming in. Sin has broken into our lives and we all can actually very quick to hijack relationships and use them for our own benefit. Use them to actually get what we want out of that, to serve our own ends and means. We can easily use and abuse others just to achieve my selfish agenda. We may take advantage of others and their generosity they might have and then we'll take them for a ride to drain as much out of them as we can just to further my own selfish agenda. Or, in the breakdown of the community, we could be used and abused by others to serve their selfish desires. Someone stronger and more powerful than I can perhaps come into my life and crush me to satisfy their control desires. They can begin to use and abuse me. It happens on both ways. You see, when we look at this world that we currently live in, here's what we see. We see a world in community of a mixture of delight. There's great stuff in community that we can enjoy about each other. But there's also destruction in community as well. We can experience both ends of that spectrum. Community is God's idea. But we've broken community through our own sinful ways. But still, God hasn't thrown out the idea of community, despite our defacing it, despite our corrupting it, despite our actually abusing it. God hasn't thrown out the idea of community. God sends Jesus, his son, into this world to rescue and to save us and to redeem us and restore us back into community, to restore us again into that beautiful community that Jesus has for us. In God's transformation process of our lives, he places us into community so that we can be changed into the image of Jesus. It happens in community. But here's what happens when we are in community. It can bring out both the best and the worst in us. Community does that. The worst. Paul writes to the Ephesians here a very rich letter of grace. Uh, Ephesians is a church that Paul helped establish, a gospel community gathered by Jesus Christ. You read right through the New Testament and what you see there is gathered communities that Paul and others write letters to. It's actually the pattern of the New Testament is building and forming these communities. The Holy Spirit's calling these people into community. Paul here writes to the Ephesians to unpack the blessings of the gospel as he often does in his letters in the early part of the letter. But now he begins to say, because of that, because of the gospel, because of the truth of who Christ is, he then moves to the implications of what the gospel means. Now how should I live knowing what Jesus has done for me? Paul does that, and have a look at that with me in verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. It's a great start there, Paul's God. Jesus has called you. In a manner worthy of your calling, he has called you into his sovereign kingdom, the kingdom where he is the king. So Paul says, in this kingdom, now walk or now live or now carry out your life as a son or a daughter of this gracious, loving king who's called you into his kingdom through the gospel. So we might say to Paul, well, how does that look? Jesus has saved me and rescued me, and I believe that, and I'm now called to live out this life in his kingdom. How does that look, Paul? Well, Paul goes on, and he urges us, or earnestly encourages us, like he did in verse 1, and he says to walk or live like this. Walk, in verse 2 and 3, 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Just stop there and have a look at those words at the end of verse 2. It says there, with one another. With one another. That's the community that Jesus places us in. One another. With others. And we're told there to use humility, gentleness, patience, with one another. Bearing with one another. What do you think Paul means by that phrase? Bearing with one another. Does it sound positive or perhaps slightly negative as well? What do you do when you have to bear with somebody? You've got to put up with some stuff, haven't you? When you've got to bear with somebody. Well, let's think about the community out of Ephesus where Paul's writing this letter to. It's a mixture of Jews and Gentiles that Paul's writing to here. These two groups, in the natural, they don't get along. They're from different tribes. They're from different people groups. They're from different um, you know, subsets or different cultures. And these particular ones, the Jews and the Gentiles here at Ephesus, in the natural, they're marked by bitterness and by jealousy towards each other. That's how they live. They just don't like each other in the natural. There's racial tension here within these groups, particularly in Ephesus. But Paul says, bear with one another. Because Paul would be thinking like this, because of what Jesus has done for you, rescued you, saved you, giving you a whole new way of thinking now and understanding that you are a broken person now being redeemed, Paul says, you don't have to live like that anymore. Intention, with bitterness, with jealousy, you don't have to live like that. Paul says, now with humility, now with gentleness and patience, bear with each other in love. See, living in community it can easily bring the worst out of us. What happens in these situations when we live in community? Well, we actually bring our sinful baggage with us when we come together with other people. We bring our broken mindsets and our broken attitudes into relationships and very often in a very demanding way. Sometimes sort of, you know, um, subconsciously, but it's still there. Broken mindsets and attitudes that actually have a demanding way in a situation. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family, whether it's a social group or a club we belong to, there'll be clashes and tensions there as different people come together with different agendas and different thoughts. Possibly two stronger personalities might rise up within a group somewhere. One wants to go to the left and the other personality wants to go to the right. Or one personality says, let's do this. And the other personality says, no, let's do that. Another person said, this is the direction we should go. No, we should go in that direction. I'm not sure you've been in a group before where you see a couple of strong personalities sort of come up and say that. And there's nothing wrong with healthy, robust discussion. But if it's not framed by the gospel and hasn't got a new heart, what do you think the reaction will be when you get these personalities interacting? What's the result? Normally there's fireworks. I've been in a football club meeting before and uh, two very strong personalities got up and they just, yep, there was fireworks and one just left the room very unhappy. That's what happens. 
these different agendas come together. And it's a bit like, you know, he or she who shouts the loudest thinks they'll win the debate or win the day. Or if they don't want to shout and get loud and think, you know, show their bravado that way, others will actually go behind the scenes and they'll become underminers. Sort of criticising people behind the scenes, trying to take people down that way. So either way, there's actually division happening within that group, whether it's shouting loud or just actually going quiet and becoming a white ant in the background, eating out the foundations of somebody's life. Living in community can bring the worst out of us. You see, this is why God places us in a community. He allows our hearts to be exposed. He allows our hearts to be exposed in community. God uses community so we can see what's going on in our own hearts and the remaining sin that still dwells there within us. It's not pretty. It's actually really hard. But it's in these relationships that we actually begin to see our heart, as it were, come to the surface. And nobody really wants to acknowledge the ugliness that's actually still within us, that just rises to the surface every now and again in the right or the wrong situation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if God left us as individuals, saved us, but didn't place us in the community, just left us to our own device? Can you imagine if he did that, left us as individuals, and to try and live out the gospel then, all on our own? I'll tell you what would be the result of that. We'd be very small, self-centred people if we just did it all on our own. Life would only be about me. Life wouldn't be about others. And I'd be completely self-absorbed with myself if I was just left to myself to work out my Christian walk. I'd be a very, very small person indeed. It's God's will that we live in community with lots of other people who think differently and live differently from us. Challenging and hard, but it's God's will that we do that. Because it's through all that living, in all those little moments of thinking differently and acting differently, that the sinful baggage of our lives actually comes to the surface and then God allows us and gives us the ability to, to deal with that sin as it comes up. And through all of that, it's just not uncommon to see the worst in people. And I'm sure you've ever seen it even in gospel communities or churches. Here's a classic example. Marriage. When you're going out with someone, you are all wrapped up in the romance. And you think everything is just wonderful. Oh, he makes me laugh. She's so beautiful. She just treats me like a king. You used to think, didn't you? No, okay. <laughs> when you're going out with somebody, it's like that. It's just so fun. And you think, oh, I could easily be married to that person. I could easily live the rest of my life with that person. It's so wonderful when you're going out. And then you do get married. And you begin to live in a really, really close community. Really close community. I was going to say a few months later, but maybe a few weeks later, (laughs) you discover a few things that you've never seen before in that other person. And much of what you discover... I don't like it. But you didn't see it when you were going out because you were just head in the clouds, I guess. It's God's design 
that when he places us in community, he actually draws out of us our sinful baggage, our sinfulness, and he brings it out in the open. And then through a renewed mind, when this sinfulness actually comes to the surface, I discover this community is not all about me. It's actually about God working through me for the glory of himself and for the good of this community. So that when my selfish agenda does rise up within community because of the tensions and the clashes I experience, I actually bring to mind the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, as we looked at the other week, that helps me to think about what's happening here. Hear about this one in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Beautiful little passage, that. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, all people into a community, God's community. And what's he training us to do in that community? To renounce ungodliness. In other words, to say no to ungodly living. I'm not going to live like that anymore. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and it's about the community. It's not about me. So God uses the community here to teach me to say no. I'm not going to live like that anymore. And the Spirit gives me the power to do that. Instead of actually letting my selfish agenda rise up, where it is all about me, no, it's not going to be about that. Now it's going to be about gospel-driven humility, gentleness, patience. And I bear with others in love in Christ. It may bring the worst out of us, but it's an opportunity to say no to ungodly living and to see myself change and grow in community. Now, not only the worst, but the best can also come out of us in community as well. Because we see the beauty of Christ shining out through us. Let's go to that next passage now. The beauty of Jesus here builds us up in community. Verse 11 and 12, Paul says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, so the, the church, the body, is being equipped the saints there, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What ministry is that? What is ministry there of the saints that Paul's talking about? What are they meant to do with that ministry? Well, he answers it for us there. He says, for the building up, for the positive change in the body of Christ. People are equipped for ministry to serve, to build up the body in a positive way into the likeness of Jesus. Let's move on to verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a whole lot of building up taking place here in Paul's line of thinking. So we are in this ministry that we're equipped for is to be maturing, growing, changing into the fullness of Christ through community. Let's move on to verse 14. So, because of this maturing and fullness and all this other stuff being equipped for, so, in verse 14, that we may no longer be children, not staying down here at a toddler stage. That's not the idea of God for us. God's idea is for us to grow. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or everybody's whole multitude of teaching, by human cunning 
or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul doesn't want us to be just yanked from here to there by all this stuff we see and hear. He wants us not to be like little children who just believe anything they hear. He wants us to grow. And then verse 15 he says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, change, mature, in every way into him who is the head into Christ. By speaking the truth in love, we grow up into Christ. We change in a positive way. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body, so from Christ, to whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body, the community of believers, builds itself up. It changes in a very positive way in love as we work through that community. If you just read back through there, you can actually see what Paul's line of thinking is in those verses. It's built up, it's grow up, it's mature, it's come to the fullness. It's all these things about growing and it's all about happening in, uh, in community at the same time where we are being changed for the good. And yes, it is working through the sinful baggage of our lives, But in gospel community, we are ministering to each other to build each other up, to grow each other, to help each other mature for Jesus-centred change in our lives. Well, you might say, how does that look? How does that look? Well, it can work in a couple of different dimensions. You may have some smaller community where you'll work through some very painful hurts that have occurred in your life. You may have some very close, trusted friends where you can share some really difficult stuff that you may have experienced through life, that maybe you've been involved with. And in that really small, intimate, trusted community, you'll hear the truth spoken in love to you, ministering to each other to find healing for those hurts or those wounds that you may have experienced through life. That won't come through the larger corporate gathering as such, but it'll come through a smaller, more intimate um, community caring and loving for each other. Or, still in a small intimate community, you may hear the truth in love so that, your, so that your mind is renewed to stop following or stop walking in the same broken path of action and getting the same broken results time after time where someone will have a hard but loving conversation with you to try and point you in a new direction. Maybe just exposing some of the stuff that you keep doing over and over again, but doing that in a loving way. That's how that community actually helps you to grow in a positive way. You see, a small, intimate, well-chosen community of trusted people is God's pathway, is God's vehicle for us to change in community, to be built up. Another dimension of the community where we can be built up and encouraged, it's the larger context It's our larger corporate gatherings. Body ministry also takes place here on a Sunday, whether we're here or at GVCF. Here's what I mean when I say that. Jesus has created us for good works, for his glory. Have a look in Ephesians 2.10 with me for that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's created us to do good works. He's gifted us to do that. So in the corporate community, we have wonderful opportunities where we can exhibit that, where we can serve each other through these good works in gospel ministry in the larger corporate community. Some of those good works uh, take place when we are serving each other 
when we are serving each other in a very humble way. Someone who may lack confidence may be asked to step up and do something that's outside of their comfort zone. Outside of their comfort zone. Maybe that could range from being asked to serve in the welcome ministry at the, at the front door of the church where we're welcoming people for the first time through our doors. Someone might say, I can't do that. Or someone will be asked to do MC, and praise God, Ben did it for the first time today, which we're so encouraged by. Someone else might be asked and say, I, I can't do that. Well, maybe with a bit of encouragement and a bit of instruction, someone says, I'll have a crack. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a shot. And in that corporate setting, somebody actually begins to grow as they see where they perhaps didn't have an ability, they've been able to gain an ability. And when that takes place, they grow and change in themselves in that being able to use that gift. But not only are they building it themselves up, but they're also building up the body at the same time. When someone else different on you steps up to do something, doesn't it encourage your heart? Don't you feel stirred on the inside when you see somebody actually moving out of their comfort zone and having a crack and having a go at something? It encourages us. It builds us up. And Paul's talking about the same thing here in this part of this building up in community. They have a go. It's a blessing on both ends. So Paul wants to see, just like God wants to see, the body built up here in community. Smaller intimate ways, but also larger corporate ways as we serve with the gifts and talents that he's given to us. So where do we land as we think about this today, as we think about community? Community is God's way of changing us. It is God's way of changing us. The Bible isn't about lone ranger discipleship. Often the world can highlight the lone ranger who comes into town and fixes everything up, then he just rides off into the sunset. But there's nothing in the Bible about me and Jesus riding off into the sunset together and we're just going to do life with each other. The Bible's not about that. To be clear, salvation is... Salvation is a personal thing between... Uh, me and Christ but beyond that he places me into community to grow and to change you might say Todd you don't know the hurt that I've experienced in community you you don't know the things that I've been through perhaps in other churches where I've experienced unbelievable hurt I don't doubt your hurt obviously I don't know about it first hand but I do know that in some church communities, yeah, major hurt has been uh, perpetrated and I don't doubt that you're feeling uh, lots of hurt from that. Now, I would feel super sorry for you what you've experienced. There is no perfect community here on earth. The fact that I'm here corrupts this community. Because why? I bring my sinful baggage into this community. There is no perfect community here on earth. Perhaps... Just perhaps, if being hurt by a church in the past causes you to lose your faith, and I say this really carefully, then maybe your faith was in people and not in God. Just think about that. Having said that, having known this hurt, it doesn't change God's purposes of where he wants to change us, of where he wants to grow us, of where he wants to establish us in community. That is God's purpose. That is God's will. That is God's design for our lives. If you think, 
if you think you can skip out and fall away from community, or if you think, I can just do this on my own. I don't need what God's given to me to grow or change. You will miss out on the very thing that God gives you to change. On the very vehicle that he places right in front of you, you will miss out on it if you think, I can do this without that. I don't need what God's given to me. And if you let that means of grace, that means of God's blessing in your life to change, if you let that pass by, you'll remain as a spiritual infant. You'll be like one of those children getting tossed to and fro by the waves of every wind of doctrine. You'll be a spiritual baby, barely maturing in Christ, if you think, I can just do this without the community. That is not God's purpose. You'll be stuck in the same old faulty thought patterns. You'll keep making the same old broken decisions and you'll keep reaping the same old broken consequences because you thought you could do this without community. You see, Jesus rescued us to put us in community. Have a look at what he did here in this rescue. Jesus, the Son of God, who dwelt in perfect community within the Trinity, came on a rescue mission to this world. And here, at the end of his mission, hear the words of Jesus here, which are very telling about community. In Matthew 27, 46, Jesus says this, And at about the ninth hour, this is Jesus on the cross, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about the community of Father, Son and Spirit. Jesus is crying out the Son, you've forsaken me. What did Jesus do here? He's carrying the weight of your sin. He's carrying the weight of my sin. He's allowing at this point, he's allowing at this point in time on the cross, in that perfect community, for that community to be ripped apart that has never, ever been ripped apart in eternity. At that precise moment, that community for the very first time is ripped apart. Jesus is forsaken by the Father and the Spirit at that moment. Why? Because he carries our sin on the cross on our behalf. What does Jesus achieve? Jesus was forsaken so that we can be brought back into community. We were forsaken. We turned our backs on God and lived life our own way. But Jesus makes a way back home for us, back into that glorious community once again. Jesus is forsaken so we can be brought back into community. That's the community that God calls us into right now. That's the community that God places us into so that we can be changed. Do you want to change? Do you really want to see the truth of the gospel actually working in and through your life and being transformed into the person that Jesus wants you to be? Jesus says, commit yourself to the community he's given to us, no matter how hard and how messy and how difficult it is. Commit yourself to this community through humility, gentleness, patience, and bear with each other through all the challenges in love and actually see as we give in to that community, guided by God's spirit, change. Change in our own hearts, change in our own person, and become the people that Christ wants us to be. This is what we're all about here at Exchange Church. 
is seeing that change, deep-rooted, gospel-driven, joyful change to see lives transformed and live for his glory. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you today we can come and spend time in Ephesians, Lord, thinking about your word and again seeing your will, your direction for our lives. That is that we are to change in community. God, I thank you for the community that's sitting here with me today and the rest of the community, Lord, that is down at GVCF this morning. God, at this particular time, we don't like the regulations that we are under where we need to be a divided community for a period of time. We long for the day when we are all united together in the one room. But Father, we know that we are united together now by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray, please help us. Please help us again to recognise that this is not a perfect community, that there will be hard stuff to go through, that there will be challenges to go through, that my sinfulness will come out to the surface, Lord, as I meet with different people. But help me to see, Lord, this is the place where you call me into, where I can deal with that sin with the strength and power that you give and the truth that you give. And that through that, Lord, we can produce a glorious community of people that loves you, that serves you, and that becomes a reflection and witness into this world around about us, Lord. The world sees a community of people from a whole different range of backgrounds and nationalities and differences, and they come together in harmony and peace and love. So I pray, Lord, please renew our hearts today to be committed to community. Small, intimate communities where we deal one-on-one or one with two, or a group of three. But Lord, also the corporate community as well will come and gather and we can encourage other in a corporate way through the gifts and talents and abilities you've given to us. Help us not to forsake the community, I pray, Lord. Help us to see this is the place of grace that you've given to us. Lord, for those who've experienced that hurt, I want to just ask and pray again that Holy Spirit, you would just minister into their hearts again to put their eyes back on the purposes of God to be re-established back into community and try and just carefully work through those hurts, Lord, and see a gracious community come together to support us, to build us up so that we can walk in Jesus' ways. Father, I thank you for this and I ask and pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.